Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. about it we, we we talk about faith uh, really from from time to time in all different angles but we don't really spend a whole service on it a whole lot of times we are talking from other angles a lot of times but I just want to dive into faith tonight I want to talk about um, really uh, the the fact that faith has to be in more than one place Amen. we sometimes we think uh, thoughts that are in line with God's word, but just thinking the right thoughts is not good enough. It has to be in our heart. And yes, we want to renew our mind with the things that God has spoken, but we want to be in agreement with what God has spoken. Um, there's an interesting thing about the way God made man, and that is and, and how, how man is different than animals. There are all kinds of animals that make all kinds of noises and chirps and, and burps and, you know, they make noises and they grunt and they hoot and they, they squeal and they whinny and they do all that they do. But animals really don't talk. They can, in some measure, to a much lesser degree, communicate with one another, but they're not really able to communicate on the level humans are able to communicate because humans are made in the image of God. You know what I'm talking about. They're made in, in a unique way with the ability to go much, much further in communication than just, uh, you know, an animal grunting or whatever animals do. Uh, humans can tell stories. They can talk about a plan. Uh, humans can bargain with one another. Animals, you don't ever see an animal out in the, two monkeys out in the woods. They say, no, $50, you know. <laughs> No, I just take 45, you know. There's, there's a lot more communication that animals have than, uh, excuse me, humans have than animals have. Isn't that right? And so the reason is because animals are not on the same level of creation as human beings are. Humans are the crown of God's creation. Not even angels. Angels aren't the crown of God. Human beings are the crown of God's creation. Now, somebody said, well, Jesus is the crown. Well, yeah, but he's not created, a created being. He, he's God, and he came into the flesh, but he's not a created being. He is God. Amen. It's a good time to say amen. But anyway, human beings are the crown. They can, they're created in the image of God. And that being said, God, the way God did things was he said it, that there be, and it came to pass. And since we're in his image and in his likeness and we're of his kind, he's given us the ability to speak things and actually speak and they come to pass just like he did. Now, I don't mean on the level that he does. I don't mean you and I are creating planets. You should say amen to that. But you can speak things in the realm of your authority in your life and God will honor that if it's in line with what he gave you in covenant. Amen. Because he's letting that up to you. He gave you the authority on the earth to speak the way, things, the, the way you want things to be in life. Amen. Animals don't have that authority. But human beings do. Humans are on God's, uh, are on God's, are in God's realm. In other words, they're they're a they are a spirit being. Animals are not spirit beings. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but uh, God said it, and it was. He said, let there be, and it was. And we, Bible says that he is a spirit, God is a spirit, and it also shows us how he operates. And it says that he declares the end from the beginning, doesn't it? So we see the way God operates, and he's created us in, in his image. That means we as spirit beings uh, can speak, and we can declare from the beginning how, it's supposed to, how it will turn out for us in the end. And that's a spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith according as is written. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We have the God kind of faith. Everybody say, I have the God kind of faith. Hallelujah. And it's very interesting being a spirit being. We live in this body, but this body is not us. If you've ever heard testimonies, I know Brother Hagin's testimony, I've heard that. I've heard other men's testimonies who have, have at some time in their life, they've, for one reason or another, either through because they had an accident or because of sickness, they have died and left their body. And then uh, for one reason or another, they came back. And they'll tell their testimony. And how many have ever heard testimonies like that? And in every test, almost uh, most testimonies I hear anyway, when they come back, they come back and they come back into their body through their mouth. How many have ever heard that? Some of you are looking at me real funny. You need to pay better attention to some of these testimonies because you, you go read some of these testimonies again. And like Brother Higgins said, he said he jumped from the foot of the bed into his body through his mouth. Now you hear, you hear testimonies from now on and you pay attention to people's testimonies who are raised from the dead. Most of them will say that and probably if they didn't say it, that's the way it happened. Now, somebody said, why? Because the way they got into their body, when the original creation, when God created man, he <sighs> breathed into his uh, mouth and nostrils the breath of life. And man became, in the Hebrew, Hebrew language it says, man became a speaking spirit. I don't know what happened, but some of you just really got all of a sudden started thinking about something because you're... you're I want you to, to, to not, some of you didn't hook up with me on that. Right. Listen closely to some of those people's testimonies. They jump back in through their mouth. Amen. Why? Because that's originally the way God put them in their body. Yes. Man created, God created man and he's a lump of clay laying on the ground and God went and he became alive. He became a speaking spirit, the Hebrew says. And he became in the image of God. That's the reason animals are not in the image of God is because God didn't breathe into them. Amen. They just simply have the air in their, in their lungs and in their nostrils, the, the, you know, the air around us. But we got more than air. We got the very life of God went into Adam. God breathed into Adam the substance of himself. And that substance is called spirit. And in this case, it's life. The life of God, the spirit of God, which makes things alive, went into that man. And he not only got breath into his lungs, he got a spirit into his innermost being. And he became a spirit being. Come on, come on, say amen. Well, if that's the way that your spirit operates, if that's how you originally got into your, inside of you, then why would it be strange that through your mouth is the way God does everything that he does? Or say it this way, through your mouth is the way your spirit gets its way in your life. It's because that's the, that's the doorway that things go into you and that's the doorway things come back out of your spirit. 
You understand what I'm talking about? So we've got to start emphasizing our mouth more and we got to get a grip on our lip. We got to get a hold of what we're saying. Now it's not enough just say, well, I'm not going to think that. Well, it's, it's good not to think things, but you must speak the truth that replaces those wrong thoughts. How many of you know it's not just being quiet. Jesus said you'll have what you say. Amen. So we want to learn this. We want to talk about the language that God has. How many of you know when you get into a new field of, uh, let's say you study for a new job. Let's say you're getting into, let's say you're going to become a, an engineer of sorts. Well, you've got to go to school and learn all the lingo about that field you're getting ready to go into. And you're going to learn words that you never knew existed and you, you, before you never needed them, but getting into this new world of business that you're going to get into, you have to learn new lingo. You have to learn a new language. I mean, how many have ever read a, the manual on a computer and you're thinking, R-O-M, what's that mean? And then you're, R, all these, all these G, GP, you know, all this stuff, and you're thinking, what is all this? What, what's a gig? What's a nano? What's a, you know, and all this stuff. How many of you know on the internet you had to learn a whole new language? Yes. You, learned, you learned the term online and, and email. We didn't know what email was 20 years ago. Never heard of such a critter. critter. Email, what's that? <laughs> so we had to learn new language, right? And to operate in that realm, you've got to learn that language. Well, guess what? To operate in the realm of God, you've got to learn his language. How many of you know if you're going to be a missionary to another country, you're going to have to learn that language. If they don't know English, you're going to have to learn that language. The same thing is true whenever you operate in the realm of God. You're going to have to learn God's language. When you got born in the natural, you had to learn the language of the country in which you were born. But when you got born in the spirit, you have to learn the language of the spirit realm in which you were born. You had to learn the language of God. And God's language is different than natural human language. He doesn't say you're going to receive. He says you've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heaven. You have to learn the right language. You have to get gonna out of your mouth and get half already put in your mouth. Come on. That's what I'm, uh, that's what, that's what, it's time to step up our confession some more. Because I don't know that we're saying enough things. I mean, it's not enough just to not make the wrong confession. You've got to state the right confession because you'll have what you say. Well, I'm not saying the wrong thing, but what are you saying? Well, I'm not saying the wrong thing, but what are you saying? Nothing. Well, guess what you're going to get? You're going to have what you say, and you're going to get nothing because you've been saying nothing. Amen. And the devil works overtime on this. Now, the, your confession will slip before your belief slips any day. That's the first thing that goes is a bold confession of the word of God. Yeah. A bold in your face attitude of this is the way it's going to be. This is the way I believe God, God uh, uh, this is the way it is in my life right now. Because I have what I say. Can you say amen to that? So we've got to learn the language of re redemption. We've got, to, we've got to begin to say, I, I, he hath already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He has already healed he, me. He's already delivered me. He's already seated me in heavenly places. He's already defeated the enemy. I'm already more than a conqueror. And begin to talk right. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? So we thank God for this, uh, that we can, we can opt our spirit functions through our mouth. Did you get a hold of what I said? The, the way God put a spirit into you was through, the original creation was through breathing that into your mouth. And the way that people die, many times you hear testimonies, they jump, come out of their mouth. And then they, if they're raised from the dead, they come back in through their mouth. That means your spirit operates through your mouth. Amen. 
It doesn't operate through your, your, your mind. It doesn't operate through your body unless your mouth get, lines up with your spirit. And then your body will follow suit. Because the Bible says, you know, sometimes people say, well, uh, uh, actions of faith are required. Yes, but many times you won't act in faith with this body until you say it first. You won't dare step out until you say it. In fact, that's the way you function in life, just in the natural. Both, about everything you do, you say it first. Where, uh, you, 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 you're going out the door and you say to your spouse, I'm going to the grocery store, I'll be back here in, here in about an hour. About everything you do, you say it. Isn't that right? So words precede actions. And, and that's the thing that you and I must recognize is the primary action of faith that the Bible talks to us about. So God breathed the breath of life into Adam and his spirit entered into his body and through his mouth. Why would, why would it be strange that our spirit would impact our world through our mouth? Amen. So that's the way that we dominate through our spirit being out our mouth. Speaking death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we speak things out of our spirit into this natural world. And the Bible declares, according to the verse we're getting ready to read here, that the, uh, the word of God in our mouth will change things and move things and arrange, rearrange the scenery in our lives. Amen. Have you found Mark 11 yet? Look at Mark 11:22. Jesus said, have faith in God. Now, much, much, uh, many people get, religious people I'm talking about, many people get really upset about the actual Greek, what the Greek actually says. If you look in the margin of your Bible, some margins will say this, mine does. It says, the faith of God, the faith which God gives. Mm -hmm. So really, Jesus said, have the faith of God. Yes. And that bothers a lot of people. You can't have the faith of God. Well, sure you can. Can you have the love of God? Can you have the peace of God? Yes. Can you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength? Oh, yeah, all these things are of God. But God also gave us the measure of faith. And so we have the measure of faith, and we can use this measure of faith. That's what God gave us, so it wouldn't be right to not develop what God gave us. And Jesus said, have the faith of God. Well, I can't do that. And how, I've heard pe preachers on, 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 on stations say, well, how dare somebody say that you can, you can do what Jesus did here? Listen, Jesus went on to say, for verily I say unto you that whosoever. Yes. I'm a whosoever. Amen. Amen. In other words, like somebody said, uh, you know, this is not a deity trick Jesus pulled here whenever he cursed the fig tree. This is not a deity trick. You know what I mean by that? It's not some trick that he could do because he was God in the flesh. He said, whosoever. Because they were marveling at the fig tree being withered away. And he said, uh, have faith in God. Whosoever, he was talking to them. He said, whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Look at your neighbor and say, that's talking to you. Because you're a whosoever. In fact, if you look closely there, he's not just talking about mountains because he ends up saying, you'll have whatsoever you say. Amen. If you don't doubt it in your heart, well, how can I keep from doubting it in, in my heart? Well, if it's going to be the God kind of faith, it has to be, it has to, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So it's going to have to come out of this right here and this is going to have to dominate your spirit and, and that's how you'll believe because you've planted this in your spirit. Faith is not something you work up. It's not something you muster up because you get a, you get a real positive attitude about it. We're going to work ourselves up. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So faith comes by hearing. And then he said, then it must not stay only in your spirit. It's got to be in more than one place. It, believing in the heart is where the first place faith has to be. But the second place it has to be is in your mouth. 
Many Christians have a heart full of faith if they've sat and heard the word, but they don't have a mouth full of faith. Well, Jesus said the word, he said the word say three times and only once did he say believe. That tells us something. We're going to have to emphasize this three times more than believing the right things. We're going to have to emphasize saying, 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 saying. Amen. Even when Jesus was tempted of Satan in the, in the uh, wilderness, remember, to cast himself off the pinnacle of the temple and all that, yeah. Jesus had to say things and say it again and say it again. He even had to say it three times. Yes. How many of you know sometimes there's a war between yeah. Satan saying things and God saying things? Right. Well, I should say Satan saying things and you saying things. Yeah, there you go. Because, uh, you know, Satan will say, you're not going to make it. And you have to declare what God said. And then he'll say something again. And the battle's on. on. The Bible said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Then he said, there's something you have to say in that fight. He said, you make a good confession. This is for, I'm talking about 1 Timothy 6, 12. Amen. So we have to make the right confession. Confession is not trying to, is not uh, trying to get God to do something. Confession is based on something we believe God has already done by grace, already provided by faith. And confession is just simply releasing him to get the job done that he really wants to do. Now, somebody said, I don't like that. I mean, God can do anything he wants. No, he can't. He can't do anything he wants in your life. Remember over in the book of Malachi, this is even Old Testament, let alone the New Testament. But in the book of Malachi, after he talked about tithing, he said, your words are stout against me. How many of you know if that word, if you look up the word stout, it means to bind, to restrain, to conquer. That's literally what it means. If you don't, I don't know, you probably have confidence in me, but look it up if you're not sure. God said, your words bind me, conquer me, and they restrain me. They're stout against me. Well, can your words conquer God? In your life, yes, they can. Now, not overall, but in your life, because that's the realm of your authority, and that's the realm your words have authority. Your words don't have authority in my life. You can do what, you can say whatever you want about me. That doesn't affect me. I'm not blessed because you say it. I'm, I'm blessed because Jesus provided it, and I've, I've, I've agreed with that. Praise God. So in my life, my words can uh, cause things to happen. My words can cause things to come to pass. My words can invite fear. My words can invite uh, doubt. My words can invite poverty. The Bible said a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Doesn't it? The Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. So my words can trap me in the place, the small limited place that I might feel like I'm in right now. The Bible also says the mouth of the upright shall deliver him in Proverbs chapter number 12. So my words can, can expand the realm of my experience or it can diminish and contract the realm of my experience. Do you realize that nobody in the, nobody that lives in the economy of the United States lives on the economy of the United States? If it was just the economy of the United States that made somebody, put somebody in a certain category of income, then everybody would have a lot more than they have. Because do you realize, I just saw a report on the news the other day. I believe it was since, uh, I hope I'm getting the, the, fact, the figures right. Uh, I'll be, I'll be, uh, more uh, conservative than what they said, just to make sure. But I think it, they said since um, since 9/11, I believe, just in the stock market alone, 2.3 trillion dollars has been made just in the stock market alone. Amen. <laughs> well, 
praise God, the, the fact that there's, there, the, what am I trying to say? The, the problem is not that there's no money out there. Right, that's right, that's right. No, the economy that every person lives on is the economy that they have on the inside and the economy that's in their mouth. That's what you're living on. If you don't like what you're experiencing, change what you're saying. Because Jesus said, you'll have what you say here if you believe it in your heart. Well, I'm retired. I'm on a fixed income. Well, see, you fixed that. You sealed your destiny by the words that you say because that's, that's what Jesus said here. You'll have what you say. Amen. Come on, somebody get happy about that. I'm living on the economy of the word of God because I have what I say and I say the word of God. Praise the Lord. So verily I say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Somebody said, now wait a minute now. I thought that God had to do something. Well, listen to me. This is talking about the things that redemption has already provided for us. You realize that what God has provided for us, he doesn't need to do anything in order to cause it to come to pass. He's already done all he needs to do for you to have what, what he provided. But how many of you know the Bible says we're saved by grace and then there's something else, through faith. So your faith has to line up. Do you know what the word confession means in the Greek? It means to say the same thing. In other words, you, whenever you uh, agree with God's word and say what God's word says, you're actually getting mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from God. So you need to put your mouth on what he said and and say, oh, this is what he said. I'm going to put my mouth on that. I'm going to put that in my mouth. And God's breathing the the life that's in his word into your spirit by that. And then as it's it's strong in your spirit and you speak it, it comes out your spirit and goes and affects the very circumstance that you're speaking about. And God's giving you mouth to mouth. You want some things resurrected? Get, get, Get God to breathe the word into your spirit through the mouth. Amen. Meditating is part of that. Meditating on the word includes the mouth. Amen. He said in Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. So meditation includes the mouth. So at home, this is, I mean, you know, people, I guess they have to get used to it, but you get your family used to it whenever you read your Bible and, and you meditate on it. You, you can sit in the room and just praise God and, and speak the word of God while you're meditating on it. It, it comes alive. It's as if there's God, God's breathing on it on the inside of you. Can you say amen to that? So he wants to fix it. He wants to fix your mouth. If he can fix your mouth, he can fix everything that's going on. Um, I like something that God spoke to Charles Caps about one time. He said, I told my people that they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. Well, I know it's just the way it runs in our family. Well, don't say what you have. Say the word. Amen. You're not winning the war of words. You're saying what Satan's saying to you. You understand? In other words, you ever heard somebody, you just coined this term years ago, I guess, if they're trying to get somebody to say something that, that they did, and the person that they're trying to get to say it doesn't want to acknowledge it, they'll say something like this, fess up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Admit it. Admit what you did. Fess up. Well, I'm telling you tonight to fess up. Admit that you're saved. Admit that you're healed. Fess up to it. Amen. Get it in your mouth. Admit you're delivered because the Bible's so. Do you believe the Bible? How many of you believe the Bible? The Bible says he hath already delivered us. 
He hath delivered us from the authority of darkness. Now admit it. Come on, admit it. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you need to admit it. Amen. Now, now say this to him. Say, fess up. What does that mean? Confess up. Look at your neighbor and say, confess up. Don't confess down. Amen. If you confess down, you're going to go down. If you confess up, you're going to go up. So fess up. What is that? Confess the realities of the new man, the new creation, who's seated with Jesus up in heavenly places. Confess that to, to uh, yourself and people. Amen. I mean, you know, somebody said, well, how do I make good confessions? Somebody asked you, how you doing? You, you, you say the right thing. Yes. You say, I'm blessed, thank you. Yes. Amen. Well, they won't understand. Well, so what? At least you got a chance to say it. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, fess up. Fess up. <laughs> Fess up. Admit you're saved. You know, a lot of times Christians around, around the world, they don't want to admit they're saved. Well, fess up. Tell, tell people who you are. The, the Bible says in Philemon, there's only one chapter, verse 6, that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You should acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ. Rather than talking about who you're not, what you're not, you know, I'm oppressed, I'm this, I'm that. Amen. I told Pastor Debbie on Sunday, I said, the first year we were here, we had a, one of the strongest healing anointings I've had in the whole church was the first year I was here in a healing service we had over in the old, uh, in the old building where we were. And uh, I said to her, I said, after that meeting, I uh, waited and I didn't hear one person who got a testimony out of that. I laid hands on people in that service. Not one person. I said, but now you notice every time we lay hands on people, there's not only just one, there's many, and it's, it's happening immediately. I said, the reason why is people are now operating in faith. Because that anointing operates by faith. And they're saying it, actually believing it now. And it took a while to get people over into faith. It's almost like the Bible's true or something. Hallelujah. Come on. So we thank God for the word. Now, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. And the way you do that is with your words. Because Satan will say things, but you need to say some things. Amen. There's so much power here. Satan fights you saying the right things. He wants you just to get lazy and not say anything. That's the first thing he, he tries to get things, the faith out of. He gets it out of your mouth. If he can get it out of your mouth, eventually he can rob you of it in your heart. Praise God. So fess up. F confess the heavenly realities. Confess heaven's truths, not earthly truths. There are, there are earthly realities, but then there are heavenly realities. Speak the heavenly realities and you'll find your life will come up. And you'll, your, your life will come to the place uh, where, where, your life, where, where the Bible says is yours. Now, some people, they say, well, you know, I'm just, they'll say, well, in God's good time, he'll take care of it and he'll heal me or whatever. I even heard a nationally, internationally known person on TV, Christian TV. Now, I'm not against Christian TV. I thank God for Christian TV. You understand? Some people might misunderstand me when I say things like this, but I thank God for it. But how many of you know you, you can't just swallow everything that comes across the screen? How many of you know being on TV does not give you authority or make you important or make you it doesn't mean you're saying the right thing everything that's being said amen but anyway I mean there's a lot of good on TV so I'm not I'm Christian TV but I'm not down on that but what I'm saying this person internationally known if I call their name everybody know them they say there's God's got an appointed time for you to receive and they kept preaching on that kept preaching I'm saying why my goodness 
but God doesn't have an appointed time. I grew up in, uh, I grew up as a farm boy. I grew up, you know, hunting uh, all different kinds of animals, hunting pheasants and uh, rabbits and deer and everything. Well, some things, there was uh, a certain season that you could hunt them. But other things was open season anytime, all, the, all year long you could hunt them. And that's the way the things of God are. Like, for example, if God's called you to the ministry, there's a certain season for you to step into that. You realize there's certain season for Jesus to return again. We know there's certain things that there's a particular season that that's supposed to happen. There's a certain time of the Gentiles being saved by grace that's going to end. And then we'll go back to the way some things were. But, but there's other things, though. It's open season. And these things that Jesus redeemed you from, it's open season. It, when, whenever it comes to sickness and disease attacking your body, you don't have to wait for a season to, ha- for, for, to, to resist that and it'll flee from you. You don't have to wait for a special meeting or a specially anointed minister. Now, we have specially anointed ministers. God has done that. We thank God for that. Don't you thank God for that? But my point is you don't have to wait for that. Why wait for it whenever it's open season for it? Certain things in the, in the uh, farm when I grew up was open season. One thing was crows. You could, you could shoot crows anytime you want. Another thing was coyotes. You could shoot coyotes any day you want. Sparrows and all these, you know. I won't go into any gory details of how some fun I had sometimes. But anyway, you probably wouldn't think it was fun. But it was. It was fun. You should see what a sparrow looks like when you hit it with a 30-odd six. Yeah, I knew I'd get it on that one. Okay, I'm done now, man. I just lost my anointing <laughs> or my favor with it. <laughs> but anyway, but there were certain things that you had to wait till the right season. <laughs> so um, uh, when it comes to these, these predators nobody likes, like crows and, and, you know, coyotes and things, you just shoot them as soon as you see them. In fact, you carry a gun with you in the tractor in the field, you know. How many of you know, you, did you do that, Brother Al? But, you know, things you don't like, like snakes, open season. How many of you know that represents the devil? And all these predators, you know, it's like pow, pow, pow. (laughs) And that's the way I treat sickness and disease. That's the way I treat fear whenever it comes. That's whenever I, when I, when I have thoughts that come against me about people that that are not love thoughts, I pow, pow, pow. Open season. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's open season on the devil. devil. Hallelujah. So you can, the Bible says here, Mark 11, 23, say to the mountain. Look at that. Did you notice that? Notice verse 23. Verily I say unto whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now let me say something about that. First of all, notice if God wanted the mountain to be there, he would have not told you to move it. If it was his will that that mountain be there, he would not have said for you to move it out of your life. And if you, could tell, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. You wouldn't sit around, oh, I just can't go any further. There's a mountain there. There's something better on the other side of that mountain. Why does the mountain respond? Now, now he's just not talking about mountains, but anything that's standing in your way because he ended up saying he'll have whatever he saith. But you don't, you don't need to think that natural things can't change just by words because he gave a natural illustration here. Yeah. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
I actually have heard a testimony of an actual mountain moving. How many have ever heard of TBN? When they first started TBN, they could not get the signal from the whatever, the up on the mountain, the transmitter or whatever, down to their building. They could not get it. They worked for, what was it, days or weeks on that thing. And finally, Paul Crouching up there, and because they couldn't, there was a mountain standing in the way. And they couldn't get the signal right through that part of the mountain where it was supposed to. And so Paul Crouching up there and believed God and said to that mountain, move. And they went down there and they said, it's on, it's on. And it's been on ever since. Praise the Lord. So don't you tell me that doesn't work. The reason that words will move the mountain, even the material substance of a mountain, is because words put it there to begin with. If words made it, words can, can dissolve it or disintegrate it or move it or do whatever needs to be done to it. We got a lot of people trying to climb the mountain. God didn't say climb it. I mean, I hear songs written about climbing up the mountain. It didn't say climb it. It said move it. Get it out of the way. Dial it up. Now, notice he didn't say talk to God about your mountain. A lot of people talking to God. This is this big mountain. I can't go any further. He didn't say talk to God. There is a time, there's a place to talk to God. We understand that. But he said here you're to talk to it. Dial it up. I'm talking to you, mountain. Speak to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm talking to mountains. Now don't, if somebody said, well, I just don't know about all this. Jesus told you to do it. Well, that'd be weird. Well, Jesus wasn't weird. Do you believe Jesus was weird? He talked to, he talked to fig trees. He talked to dead men. He talked to wind and waves. He spoke to fevers. And those are all those things that he spoke to responded to him. Did you notice that? The wind and waves ceased. The fever left. The dead man came alive. The fig tree died. And then he said, have the faith of God. In other words, do like I did. Do like I did. Hallelujah. That's the will of God for you to do that. So it wasn't a deity trick. He said, whosoever will have whatsoever. Praise God. So you need to recognize that that the scenery of your life is the way it is because you're not moving the things out of your life that are in your way. And you're not moving the things into your life that God said belongs in your life. If you want to live in Blessingville, your words have to go to blessing first. And, And don't let religion keep you out of this, folks. Don't let people, and I don't know what it is about Eastern Iowa, but they just haven't had the word preached to them is what it is. The Eastern Iowa just gets upset about this. We have people that don't like this message, you know. But I do because it's working for me. Praise the Lord. Don't get upset at me. I'm just doing what Jesus said. Praise the Lord. So everybody say, we're speaking to the mountain. Changing the scenery in our lives. And, and you got to get an attitude about these things, not just kind of limp around and, well, you know, the mountain's there and we can't do this. We, no, get up on, on your back, your hind feet, as somebody said, and stand up and, and get an attitude about this. I think so many people have a complaining, critical, you know, attitude. And the reason that my life is not better is because so-and-so doesn't treat me right or they raised me wrong. That's not a spirit of faith. That's right. That's not, that's not the spirit of faith Jesus is talking about, believing and saying. Remember he said, have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we say. Jesus had that right here. Believe and say. But a person that's complaining, well, this, I'm, I'm this way because they did this and that. That's not an attitude of, of faith. That's, not, that, that's the wrong attitude. 
Hallelujah. How many of you ever met somebody just thinks everybody, it's always somebody else's fault and you know, you, it, my problem is, you're my problem and all of that. Yeah. I heard a story about a, a man, he was, uh, they had uh, one of, a guy's friends when he was sleeping smeared Limburger cheese underneath his nose. And that stuff stinks. And so he got up and he said, man, it stinks in here. Yeah, so he went into the kitchen and said, man, it stinks in here. Went into the living room, man, it stinks in here. Went outside to get some fresh air and, and it stank outside. Man, he said, the whole world stinks. <laughs> well, how many of you know, the, the, here's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is, if the whole world stinks, then you're carrying the stink with you. And we got a lot of Christians, the whole world stinks. You stink, you stink. You know, everything, every, everybody else is their problem. They're, they're just living critically and, and, and fault finding and, and negative on the negative side of life. You're carrying that with you. That's not the right attitude. You need to take the word of God and wash under your nose. Get, get, the, get that stink out of your nose. Get that and, and wash your mind too because that attitude's coming with wrong thinking. Oh, I'm not farther along because pastor doesn't preach good enough. Oh, I'm not farther along because my husband doesn't serve God. That's just the wrong attitude. It didn't say if your husband's there and then serving God with you. No, your faith will do it for you. doesn't matter what other people are going to do. And if it bothers other people, just let them tribulate. Well, you always using it, speaking the word, faith in. Say, well, get used to it because that's the way it's going to be. Amen. Amen. So the moral of the story is if every, the whole world stinks, then you're carrying it with you. <laughs> Amen. So you need to take the word, clean under your nose, clean your mind, get a new attitude. And then you'll do like the Apostle Paul. I love, I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. He said, thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph. He had a different attitude about life. And then later on in the fourth chapter, he said, remember that in the fourth chapter there, it says in the book of 2 Corinthians 4, 8, he said, we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. How many of you know that's not a negative attitude in life? He said, man, stuff comes against us, but we're not down about it. Amen. He said, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're, we're cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says, knocked down, but hey, we're not out. That's a different attitude. And he said back there in the second chapter, the 14th verse, he always causes me to triumph. Then he said this, and he makes manifest the savor of his knowledge. In other words, he put victory under his nose. The savor, the word savor is the word for smell. The smell of his knowledge, he, he manifests the savor of his knowledge it, it, through us in every place. In other words, Paul said, all this stuff's coming against me, but I smell victory. Amen. That's it. Amen. I smell, we're, we're, we're not down, but I smell victory. That's a different attitude. Everybody say, that's the right attitude. Amen. So we thank God, uh, you, you know, for, for the opportunity to live by faith. Amen. The mountain is, when you get your mind renewed and get an attitude of faith, the mountain becomes an opportunity to you. You don't complain or get down in life. Why me again? It's happening again. That, no, the mountain, you get excited when you see it. Because you count it all joy. Because here's another opportunity to see God come through in glorious style in my life. 
And, and you know, big, people say, I want big testimonies. Well, how many of you know, big testimonies come out of big battles. The devil says, you ain't going to make it. And you say, in the name of Jesus, I always triumph in Christ. So he slams another one on you. And you're not going to make it because of this. And you slam another one on him. Not fighting the devil, just words. I'm talking about words. You know, David ran at Goliath. He won the battle before he turned that slingshot loose. He spoke words. And the Bible says that we have the same, we have the same spirit of faith and we have the shield of faith. That's what Goliath hit. He hit that shield. He hit those words of faith spoken out of David's mouth. And that's what destroyed David's enemy long before he loosed that slingshot. He ran in his giant quoting the word, speaking the word. Hallelujah. So that's an attitude, isn't it? Rather than going, oh, oh. That's an attitude. I mean, think about it. He got a hold of the, after he cut the giant's head off, uh, killed him and cut his head off, then the Bible says he went back to Jerusalem carrying that giant's head. That's an attitude. Yeah, it is. That's good. You know, that's not a, you know, ooh. That's like, there's something inside of David that made him do that. You know, and that's what you've got to have to win the victory. And, And notice an attitude of faith runs toward Goliath. It doesn't shrink back and say, oh, no, what are we going to? It runs toward the problem. Hits it head on. Can you say amen? Amen. So, um, you know, we need to be really listening for the sound of God, the, the, the word of God, and tune the world out. Tune all this unbelief, this religion, everything the news has to say, and all the limitations that other people's words have put on you. You know, tune all that stuff out and just hear one sound. Amen. If you'll tune into the realm of God, you'll hear one sound, and that is the sound of victory. Because there's no defeat in Him, there's no weakness in Him, there's no failure in Him. And if you'll turn your receiver in there, how many of you know now it's getting to be all satellite and, and Jeep, whatever, you know, satellite radio and all that. But how many remember, in fact, I just bought one a couple, well, six months ago or so. I had to buy, it's a DVD or a CD player as well as an MP3 player. I can stick my MP3 player in it and play my uh, sermons. So I've got... I've got, I got thousands of sermons on MP3 player. I, you can't have it. But um, anyway, I stick it in there and I bought this thing that you had to hook the speaker wires up to it in the back. I haven't, you know, we used to do that in the 70s and the 80s, you know. You buy a stereo and you hook the speaker wire up to it in the back. And uh, I haven't done that for a long time because they all got away from that. Boom boxes and complete units all together, you know. But anyway, I bought this one and it had those speakers. I had to hook the wires up to it. Well, so I'm back there hooking the wires up. And you know, that's the way it is. If you want what's, what's coming into, if you got an antenna and you're listening to FM channel or station or whatever, and you're getting that signal coming in, your, your receiver picks it up, but you got to hook, hook up your speaker to the receiver, Amen. don't you? And that's what God's telling us here is hook up you, your faith, your heart receives it, but he said, put the speakers on there. If you want to, if you want to get results out of what you've received and be able to understand what you've received and experience what you've received, you have to put the speakers up on it. And so look at your neighbor and say, hook your speakers up. Hook your speakers up. Amen. That's your mouth. Isn't that your mouth? Hook your speaker up to the receiver. You might have received in here, but he said you'll have what you say. It'll never come from in here to experience until you hook the speakers up. And actually here in the Greek it says, he, he'll, what he saith shall come to pass, doesn't it? Come to pass. In the Greek it's the word genomahi. It means to cause to be, to generate. 
So really what you're doing, whenever you speak what you believe, you're causing it to be. You're generating it. Someone said, I can't do that. You're right. But the word of God produces the God kind of faith and his faith can. So use his faith. I did it. I preached myself happy. Hallelujah. Hook your speaker up, hook your generator up and get it in motion in this realm, in, in the realm of your experience. Praise be to God. Can you say amen to that? So once you get tuned into the right sound, keep your speaker hooked up to your receiver. Um, if, you're, if you're hearing the right sound from heaven, you'll actually hear things and you're tuned into the right thing. You'll hear things that other people don't hear. They'll see a problem and they'll hear, they'll, they'll, fear will start to attack them and so forth. But you'll, you'll hear a totally another sound because you're listening in another realm. You're listening in the realm of God. And you'll experience the realm of God much quicker than the people just hearing the natural sound. I like a story told about in the Depression, the, the, um, during the Depression, there was, how many of you know there weren't a lot of jobs during the Depression? And this man had one job. He needed an employee. He had one opening. And so the word got out and there, the line formed to get, you know, they wanted to get this job. And so the secretary was interviewing the people. And so they were one by one coming through. And all of a sudden, a man ran from the back of the line and ran up uh, past the secretary right into where the boss was. And within a few minutes, you know, that made people a little upset. But within a few minutes, um, the boss came out with this man and said, folks, no need for you to stand in line anymore. I got my man. And, you know, they're all upset. That's not fair. And they all say, what's going on? That's not fair. We didn't have it. And he said, well, he said, um, how many of you heard that clicking sound coming out? And they said, yeah. He said, I clicked on Morse code because the job I needed to fill was a Morse code operator, somebody who understood Morse code. And I clicked on Morse code. If you can hear this, come in here now. You have a job. And the, the only one that heard it was the only one qualified. And he said, I, I figured, look at that line. I don't want to take all that time, and I'll just find this man right now. If you can hear this, come in now. You have your job. But how many of you know he got something nobody else got because he could hear something nobody else could hear? If you can hear God rather than everything that everybody else is hearing, you can get something nobody else can get. Because what you hear opens the door and gives you faith to receive something nobody else can, can receive. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of the word tonight? I thank God for the message of faith. I, I'm never going to quit preaching the message of faith. I don't care who doesn't like it. I, I love them and I really want, I care about them. I don't mean that in a way I don't care about them. But that's not going to keep me because someone else doesn't receive it. Keep me from receiving it. Because this is, I've come way too far to turn around now. Don't mess with me. I'm happy. I'm just satisfied. Praise the Lord. The word of God is good. And it really, it really is, a, it is an open door of opportunity for us if we'll just walk in the light of it and not fight our right to be free and healed and, and all these things. You know what I mean? You almost, you almost think some people are fighting their, they're fighting for their right to remain sick. Well, I don't, I don't, you know, that, that's, that's that message of faith. Well, what do you want to preach? The message of doubt or fear? Or what, what do you have to preach? And they're almost fighting for their right to stay bound. I don't want to, that's, that's really warped thinking. How many of you know you have to listen to the wrong voice to be fighting for your right to stay broke, bound, and, and, and afraid and all those things? You can resist all these things in the spirit realm by speaking the right words. And that's what we're learning to do. If you would like more information about Pastor J. Everly's ministry, 
please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 